0: Hello and welcome to Can Architecture Fix This? A podcast where we explore challenging design questions through stories and conversations with expert guests. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheberg, coming to you from White Architecture Studio in Oslo, Norway. This season, we're bringing you stories about transformation. How can architecture, landscape architecture, and design in general contribute to positive change? This is, of course, a base intention with every project we take on, But how we deliver on those ambitions is often a surprising journey. Today we're asking, can architecture fix waste? We've invited Lasse Schilvar, an architect and component reuse consultant with ReCircle to share a story about the practice of reuse in Norway and his contribution as an author and project manager for the research and development project entitled Proper Reuse of Building Materials, published by the Directorate for Building Quality in Norway in 2019. We hope you'll enjoy the story. Lasse Schilver is an architect and component reuse consultant with ReCircle. ReCircle is located at an abandoned shopping mall at Öckern in Oslo, where they provide advice and logistics for the reuse of building materials in the construction industry. Lasse was an author and project manager for the research and development project entitled Proper Reuse of Building Materials, published by the directorate for building quality in Norway in 2019. He has since played an active role in the events that led to a change of the regulations in Norway in the wake of that report. Lasse Schilder, welcome. Thank you. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, I wanna start with uh, just a personal introduction that you can give yourself. I think your path into architecture and the business of reuse is quite interesting. So could you please share how you first knew you were interested in architecture and particularly the material side of the practice.
1: Yeah, well, I'll I'll try to um, remember, but uh, I think that uh, when I was younger, I wanted to do something active at some point. I I started off uh, my education after high school with uh, history and philosophy, Mm. And after uh, finishing my bachelor, I worked quite a bit also in the building industry. And I found uh, demolishing sites I worked at uh, quite interesting and beautiful. Mm. And we also had uh, quite a bit of um, carpentry projects that I was involved in, Mm. in building some houses, garages, smaller works Mm -hmm. and that got me interested in the process of uh, putting together materials basically which i think was um was how i wanted or i really got hungry for the building industry Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine uh, who was studying architecture uh, discussed with me the way that spaces affect people Mm -hmm. and i think that's how i got truly interested in architecture and not just carpentry or Mm -hmm. or things like that yeah but I think you might also have been referring to my uh, interest in uh, uh, so-called trash
0: (laughs) yes the Um, the waste side as you say the the demolishing part of the business
1: yes exactly Mm -hmm. so I since I was a child I've always been interested in looking into containers and also from my family, we have some interest in this kind of uh, projects. So Mm -hmm. I I still always look for things that have been discarded Mm -hmm. and if it's something that might have a potential for being used again.
0: It sounds like you didn't didn't do the architectural studies right away after college, you took some time and you had practical experience. So how did you feel having a kind of a different background coming into architecture school, how did you feel about becoming an architect?
1: Becoming an architect? I'm not sure if I have, but uh, okay. I was uh, certainly finding school very interesting. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to do a master program at uh, the University of Melbourne for people who do not have a complete bachelor in architecture. Yeah. Uh, so there was people who had done graphic design mm. uh, geotechnics certain art programs mm. and yeah, a lot of different backgrounds and that was fun because everyone had different things to bring yeah. to the table
0: yeah
1: um, and i also ended up doing a very experimental master project mm-hmm. so that was uh also fun but i didn't really have a I guess a great understanding of what I was going to do mm. once I finished.
0: Mm.
1: But, um, but I was always looking at the problems of architecture already yeah, yeah. then, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I, I remember either you said this in a lecture or in another conversation that uh, it may have even felt a little bit mm, uncomfortable to become part of a problem. Yes. <laughs> that architecture is sometimes <laughs> part of the problem in wasteful practices.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard enough to <laughs> see it as part of the problem mm. when we produce so much waste, mm. uh, either in the buildings that we demolish, mm-hmm. uh, in the new buildings that we build, even in the building process. Mm. It's about a third or thirty percent of the of the waste that is generated comes from new projects. Yeah, and of course the fact that the buildings mm. are waiting to become waste again Yes. once they have uh, generally fulfilled their economical Mm. purpose. Mm.
0: Today we're going to be talking about waste in the construction industry, of course, and the practice of reuse. So can you please say a few words about your company, ReCircle?
1: Yes, of course. ReCircle was um, started, I think, in 2013 by... Uh, Martin mm-hmm. Uh he was uh, working with his um, builder and he was work- looking at uh, all the waste that he was generating and the industry was generating mm-hmm. uh, trying to find some way to find a market for this stuff that was being thrown out mm-hmm. later he was joined by laf Sunda and when I joined them after having... Worked uh, with reuse as well in the Norwegian Steel Association. Yeah, I think we clicked and we had a lot of the same visions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we're doing now is uh, the last years we've been turning towards uh, consultancy more than the logistics parts, which mm-hmm. was the beginning of it. And now, but we've always been doing both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has set us a little bit apart from. Uh, some of the other companies that are working with this mm-hmm. there's not that many companies doing it mm-hmm. but the fact that we have both the consultancy and and that kind of expertise and mm-hmm. doing r&d and mm-hmm. all that and also doing actual reuse and taking things down and mm-hmm. storing them trying to sell them mm-hmm. sometimes selling them
0: yeah, yeah.
1: these kind of things building a little bit
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think that's uh i guess the fun part mm-hmm. uh really like uh, being able to both work physically and understanding the materials physically yeah. and also uh, working on advice. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if you do just one of them, you're kind of you're missing a big part of the yeah, puzzle. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, I can understand that if... if uh, I, I guess there are some other companies who are just doing kind of resale of used materials but in that case it's not really that much design it's mostly about resources and then there's other companies that are more in the consulting bucket um but maybe don't have uh, a direct line to everything that's available and the direct practice knowledge so i think that's very interesting the recycle works over that spectrum from consultancy into uh, material reproduction or, or redistribution yeah. and design that's the design spectrum
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i think uh especially now in this developing phase of the industry where Mm -hmm. the standards and the procedures aren't really landed yet it's important that we have at least some people who are kind of straddling the Mm -hmm. divide Mm -hmm. a Um, foot in
0: two places yeah
1: yeah and then i think that's something that's generally lost in a lot of more mature uh, industries Mm -hmm. so and i think it's something that we have a potential or at least for um, a while to bring back and that's the type of building in architecture that I've, uh, I've become very fond of because mm-hmm. I think even in architecture school and afterwards I've always really liked the design build mm-hmm. sort of side of architecture mm-hmm. and in reuse you it's it's almost a necessity to yeah. have some sort of hands-on mm-hmm. activity
0: yeah you're very connected to the actual resources that you have yeah yeah um well i have to apologize up front because the next few questions may be fairly basic ones because i'm no expert on the topic of reuse maybe others listening to the podcast may be wondering the same basic questions so Please uh, excuse these. <laughs> but um, I also must say that many of these questions were addressed in the report for the DIBK Research and Development Project entitled Proper Reuse of Construction uh, Materials, to which you were a contributing author. We can link to that report in our show notes if anyone listening would like information, um, but it is in Norwegian. We just have to say that upfront. So my first very basic question is about the general practice of reuse and recycling materials. When we talk about reuse and construction projects, which elements are we talking about? Are they component elements like windows with the frames and the glass and all of that? Or is it structural elements, slabs and columns, or kind of small finish elements like bricks, tiles, and fixtures? What can be reused?
1: All of the above. All of the above. Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, uh, we talk about component reuse, but the component can be made up of several other smaller components. Mm -hmm. So as long as something can be uh, taken apart without uh, destroying the basic properties mm-hmm. of the component we can call it a component so your example is a window mm-hmm. uh, you can reuse the whole window you might even in some cases reuse a whole wall with windows and everything oh. not it's not a typical project but it's like it's theoretically, <laughs> theoretically sometimes <laughs> you yes. can do that but uh, but you might also just take apart certain pieces of the window and mm-hmm. reuse them, whereas mm-hmm. others might not be reusable. So you could reuse the glass, for instance, and you might uh, switch the frame up, mm-hmm. uh, because that might be destroyed, or it might have some hazardous chemicals in it. Mm-hmm. So it has to be uh, seen as a hazardous waste. Mm-hmm. So as long, but as long as it's, um, it's not grounded down or melted or mm-hmm. burned, or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. OK. A follow-up question to that, then, what what resources and what what is the cost benefit for reusing component elements like that versus buying them new off the market?
1: Well, it depends how much work you put in. Yeah, uh, if you not uh, if you don't need to redocument it or test it in any way, mm-hmm. uh, at least in not in a destructive way, that might bring the cost up a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to spend too many hours on dismantling it Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you don't have to store it for years then uh, it's usually significantly cheaper Mm -hmm. than new materials but if you have to do a lot and if no one has ever done it before Mm -hmm. it might be significantly more expensive Mm -hmm. so which was the case with the famous uh, concrete precast hollow core slabs
0: yeah yeah
1: but in the future, that those might be cost effective as well.
0: OK, OK. So the more we do it, the easier and more energy and cost efficient it will be.
1: The more we do it, but also the more the building is uh, designed and assembled in a way that it will um, ease reuse mm-hmm. and dismantling. Mm-hmm. And the more we have kept the proper documentation, mm-hmm. the original documentation. Mm-hmm and the bigger the industry, of course, and yeah, mm-hmm. all those regular economic uh, yeah. sides.
0: Because as you mentioned, turnover is a big part. You don't have to store the materials, but there's a, a customer and you can move those on, and it also becomes a cheaper process.
1: Yes, or if you have a large warehouse mm-hmm. of 4,500 square meters centrally located in Oslo, mm-hmm. where people come <laughs> by and buy your materials. All, For all example, <laughs> in Urkern, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yes.
0: Ah, mm, there's a there's a value there. Um, I would be curious then, in Norway, how much of the building mass today is demolished uh, as kind of turnover, and how much of that could be reused if we would practice the best pa- possible demounting and recycling methods?
1: That's a great question. At uh, the moment, we are demolishing uh, Number of uh, buildings uh, upwards of 20,000 a year.
0: That's incredible.
1: Uh, (laughs) And we are uh, steadily rising in the waste that is produced from the building sector, especially from um, demolishing. Mm -hmm. Very little of that is being reused. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We have uh, recycling that is being developed as an important part of the waste handling um, problem. Mm -hmm certain materials should be recycled. Like it's quite hard to reuse uh, gypsum, for instance, Mm -hmm. and it can quite easily be reused again and again Mm -hmm. if you have the right facilities, which we now do. Mm -hmm. Whereas for um, reuse component reuse, you could basically reuse almost everything, but it's the parts that are built and put together in a quite simple way. Uh, mostly prefabricated, bolted, uh, not poured, not uh, welded, mm-hmm. that is the easiest to reuse by far. Mm-hmm. So if you if you the one side of the spectrum, you have a poured concrete structure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be extremely difficult to reuse because you would have to basically create the components yourself. You have to cut out the pieces mm-hmm. for them or taken out as components
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's not a component-based building. Mm-hmm whereas if you have a um, massive timber or steel structure that is completely bolted mm-hmm. it's basically almost the same job as putting it up taking it down again mm-hmm. so those are there's a vast difference between them but in theory almost everything could be reused mm-hmm. but uh, what separates them is the time spent and also in some ways the energy spent on mm-hmm. reusing mm-hmm. In addition, of course, if you want to actually reuse it, you need documentation. So if you if you want to look at what's going to be easy to reuse on a building site, and you have uh, a project where you're going to put it up, mm-hmm. if you have um, like a big warehouse made out of steel that is being bolted, mm-hmm. and you might uh, even have some original documentation of what's there, that's going to be the lowest hanging fruit in your life. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, interesting when we were talking about what's easy to reuse and what's harder to reuse i was thinking of it's like it's like the difference of building with lego or play-doh lego you take it together and you pull it apart and you reuse things yeah. play-doh you have to kind of remold it from the beginning if you want to yeah. make a new thing so it's maybe that's too simple but that's where my head went
1: <laughs> yeah well it's, it's like that but if the play-doh turned like stone right uh, after you built it <laughs> like you burnt it and then you're supposed to try and play though mm. with it mm. again i that see it could be difficult i
0: see mm. now that makes sense yeah you are actually collaborating with white on a sauna project yes. where the goal is that 100 of the materials will be reused how's that coming <laughs> a sauna is so small so it's kind of it's it's within the realm of possibilities in most people's heads so i'd, I'd just love to hear what that experience is like
1: well i haven't been able to start uh, like doing it super uh, practically yet because we have to kind of like with the reuse project you have to have be sure that you have the project when you start to uh, collect the materials that is a very good point yeah yeah <laughs> but but i think it's going along coming along uh, very nicely mm-hmm. uh, the team here at white have been really good at uh, Communicating with uh, the different uh, actors, so mm. we have been talking with to funding, and we've mm. been talking with the uh, local municipality in the uh, part of Akshelva where we are thinking about putting it up. Yeah, uh, and now there might even be more uh, sauna projects. so yeah. we'll we'll see. I think it's coming coming along really well. Yeah, like you say, a sauna is a small project and should definitely be possible. Mm. And Uschlobastoförning was actually started in this one, sauna, which was built primarily from waste that was yeah. lying around the yeah. Uschlofjörn. So.
0: The thing is that, that it looked like that. It looked yeah. like it had been built up by things found. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to be curious on, can a project that's 100% reused look like it was new or, or look other than made from waste products? I think that's a design challenge.
1: Well, it just depends what you use. It's mm-hmm. not super difficult to make a project look quite new mm-hmm. because we throw away so many new things. Yeah. Uh, so you can find materials that look quite, uh, or products that look very new. Mm-hmm. So, but they're generally not lying around the harbor mm-hmm. uh, in the water. But if you're actually taking it apart from a building that is being dismantled, mm-hmm. Then yes of course definitely. Mm. The question I think is more like should we try to do that? Okay. Architecture can be reducing for people if it makes it too much of a consumer and I realized that some people mm. want this completely finished product that yeah. is just like this is somewhere where my um robot vacuumer sometimes works mm. and I sometimes sleep but mm. I don't have to do anything. But uh, I also think there's something to be said about the, the house that is part of your own creative, active mm-hmm. uh, life. Yeah. But of course, that's a personal choice. But I, I, I think there's possibility for reuse architecture to kind of not necessarily just copy the sleekest old architecture Mm. or existing architecture but also maybe to open up possibilities for something in many cases better Mm. Mm. and having an aesthetics of reuse has in some way maybe been seen as something that is like less valuable but i think it can be done with the type of attention Mm. and a type of um uh, joy and the unique which is sometimes missing in new architecture, and I think that's a great potential. Mm. But of course, we can make things look uh, normal. Mm, as well. Normal, <laughs> yeah.
0: But I'm thinking also, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking that it, grand structures like cathedrals, yeah, these were living pieces of architecture for hundreds of years. I mean, they they were reused, rebuilt, added onto, you know, uh, or even. Uh, wooden structures like uh, like a wooden farmhouse. It was it was something that, it, it was always kind of being reinvented and relived in with the new generation that came in there. And it wasn't always kind of finished and nice and the new thing and 10 years later on to the next, You know, like I'm thinking of the way we live in our apartments here. Yep. Many people, they, they buy an apartment, 10 years later they buy another apartment in the next new development. And then 10 years later they buy another new apartment and they just kind of move on yep. 10 years at a time that's not how we always lived and that's not how we always treated our architecture no and so I think I was just very inspired in what you said do we have to make it look like what we think new architecture looks like it can look like and feel like its own thing and have a history in it and that can actually be part of the story
1: yeah for sure but I think you're also like uh delving into a little bit of the problem there because oh, okay. the, i guess the economics of it is is sort of what um, forces us in some way to think like investors and not mm-hmm. like people who live somewhere mm-hmm. the what you said this has to do with a little bit of how we become and somewhat we, we can be forced not just to be consumers but also to be investors mm. yeah. and that our uh, living situation is uh, obviously our most people's most important investment, mm-hmm. so we end up uh, thinking about the style and everything is something that should be sold on, and, yeah. and that influences how we treat it a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I had some friends moved into a former squad, for instance, mm-hmm. and I think they felt a great deal of freedom knowing that they can't make money off of reselling it, okay? So they just uh, it has to have the same um, price basically when they resell it so, yeah. so so it's not an investment anymore and that's the type of freedom from that kind of thinking because yeah. then you can kind of just keep it the way you want it
0: yeah
1: and do something for uh, yourself actually do something for yourself Yeah. Uh, which I think I'm not saying like people don't do things for themselves mm. at the moment but if you do um, I think in the back of the mind for a lot of people, it's what is the resale value, mm-hmm. and also, of course, you generate a lot of waste if you keep moving around and changing yes. everything all the time. Yes. So I'm very lucky because I live in a place that has been within my family since I was born. Wow. In Girdinlaka, which is right. Oh my wow, yeah. So, but then, I, I definitely I think I feel different about department that I live in mm-hmm. compared to people who have moved into like a new development or, mm. or, yeah.
0: never feel entirely comfortable in those newer developments it never feels really like humane <laughs> but uh, that's just my my personal
1: how do you think taste. it could, could make it feel humane there be...
0: I think there, there's something about space planning first of all and also of course material choice because they're so sterile hmm. dimensions of the rooms are exactly what they need to be minimum to get the right bed in and have the minimum requirements yeah and I think that's just such a sad way to live.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm just thinking like how could it be different like yeah. maybe if it was more flexible and, mm. and you were allowed to not finish the apartment completely when you mm. delivered it as a yeah. builder.
0: Yeah, it's always about solution. people's expectations also. Yeah. I think that's an interesting idea. I rem- um, not our studio, but a-, a friend of mine also, lots of architect friends, and they were working on a project uh, for a new ap- apartment building, I think in Grünlöcke, uh, or maybe in Meierstue. But anyway, it was in, a- in an existing quarter, And so they took the-, the way that the older apartments were organized by rooms, Without these corridors, so it's just a series of rooms, yeah. and you use those rooms in whatever way you need to. So maybe this room is a kitchen, and the next room is a bedroom, and the next room is a bed. Uh, stewart is the living room, and there's not these hallways. There's not the gong, you know, the, yeah. the these things. It's just a series of rooms, and you appropriate them. And they were very inspired by this older way, and so then they made a proposal for a new apartment building that didn't have these kind of uh, divisions like yeah. we are working with so often in housing today, but just a series of nice rooms, big rooms that can be used as whatever they need to be for those people. Um, I wanna talk about where ReCircle is located. It's in an abandoned shopping mall at Erkern inside of Oslo. Your studio and workshop are a place where reused building materials can be stored, investigated and redistributed. The fact that this location is inside the city is really quite interesting. Why was that important for ReCircle when they were locating themselves?
1: because it was cheap okay Uh, no uh we (laughs) we used to be in vollebeck yeah and then we our offices and the warehouse was one location okay Uh, when that was being demolished we had to move to another place in vollebeck where we had some containers we didn't really have a proper storage area but we had some containers outside we had Mm -hmm. an office Mm -hmm. in an old gas station actually Mm -hmm. Uh, very suitable And then uh, that was demolished as well. Okay. Um, We had quite short notice on the last one. uh, Mm -hmm. So we really needed a new place to stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking for a new place, we found a tent that uh, Staspik wanted to uh, use for something similar to as what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. So we uh, teamed up with Paul Dibb Mm-hmm. And we found a plot in Erkan, uh, Erkanköy, mm-hmm. where we're going to put up uh, this uh, large tent from Reinskartala mm-hmm. on a uh, seven thousand square meter plot, wow. which is going to be called Circular Solution Okay. So
0: the Recirculation Center.
1: Yeah, yeah. Re- resource, center <laughs> resource Center for circular mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then we were lucky enough to find a place where we could uh, temporarily store some of our materials mm-hmm. in the old uh, Erkan Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been working together with the owners there for quite some time now, uh, working with, we're creating temporary activity park for youth, mm-hmm. and children, mm-hmm. uh, to make uh, part of the area feel a little bit more inhabited and a little more active. And there's a big lack of uh, playgrounds and yeah. places for young adults to hang out as well or and old children mm-hmm. but um, so we got those um, uh, places to store things and after that we also found another place that we were able to um, inhabit and fix up a little bit in an old uh, hairdresser studio okay. in, the, in the abandoned shopping mall okay so now we have this offices on the one side mm-hmm. we have uh, storage areas uh, on the other side no. and we are waiting for the tent which is a huge part of our lives mm-hmm. to wait for the tent
0: to wait for the tent and the tent will be for more materials
1: for more materials
0: if we are doing research and for are you doing research on the materials or testing or recertifying
1: uh, yes, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, we. It's not the tent will be for the entire Norwegian building industry to try and solve this problem together. It's wow. not just a city doing it. It will be. We have a um, logistics and uh, market company called Ombig, uh, which have uh, started to basically run the material part of the tent. Mm. Um, we also have uh, something called Kjenskapsarena, mm-hmm. uh, which is. Uh, trying to bring back everyone's um, attention to this uh, issue Mm -hmm. and to uh, share solutions Mm -hmm. uh, discuss problems that we want to solve together Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, Podio is running Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm also part of Uh, and we're going to do a a lot of different initiatives to kind of try and figure out all the missing pieces together Mm. so yeah but uh, we're going to run the shop basically wow that's yeah. amazing
0: so it's not just a place for material it's also a place where, uh well the the norwegian society and everybody working with this can gather to have research to share knowledge to work on this problem together
1: yeah mm-hmm. at least uh, uh mentally it's, okay it's uh, <laughs> it's a national uh, project yeah. it's called the uh, national kunskaps know mm-hmm. but uh, uh physically the place itself Mm -hmm. uh, will be mostly reused building materials uh, run dry. us wow that's amazing
0: um then the last question is the way we end all of our interviews the name of the podcast is can architecture fix this we've been talking today about reuse and waste in particular do you think that architecture can fix waste in the building industry and how much impact can we really have in the big picture
1: if architecture lets this way of thinking fix architecture, then architecture can fix this.
0: Aha, uh-huh. they have to fix each other. Yes. Ah, that's a really good, <laughs> that's a really good way to end this. <laughs> okay, so we have to, uh, to be open to the knowledge that is being developed in this arena so that it can help our practices and then in turn our practices can inform and facilitate a better reuse practice in the end.
1: Yes, Ooh. and we we need to actually let our choices. I think architects are probably the best at taking into all these different considerations and yeah. all these forces yeah. into one thing that doesn't seem to fit, and then make it into something
0: mm.
1: functional and sometimes beautiful. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And if we prioritize. And of course, architecture is going to need a lot of help making these things the priorities of everyone who is involved in creating buildings, mm-hmm. not just architects. A lot of the time, architects are the ones who are most interested in environmental questions yeah. and these kind of things. But mm, as long as we can get the factors and the incentives on our side, then architecture is mm-hmm. going to be the arena where we make all these different considerations uh, come together. Mm-hmm. But as an architect, you really have to rethink a little bit of how you design. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to look at what is existing. Mm-hmm. You have to shake it up a little bit. If you have this idea it's going to be just like that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you know, try to think that, what if it can be even better than I yeah. imagined Yeah, with whatever is yeah. at hand?
0: being a little bit more flexible in the design. A lot more flexible. (laughs) A lot more flexible. Lasa Chilvar, thank you so much for being here and talking with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's the story this week. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to learn more about Lasa Chilvar and his company, ReCircle, you can find information online at www.recircle.no. That's spelled R-E-S-I-R-Q-E-L. Can Architecture Fix This is produced by San Van kleban and White Architecture in Oslo. Sophia Benson is our Managing Director. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating or even better, share us with a friend. You can find us on Instagram under the handle White Architecture Oslo or visit our website at www.whitearchitecture.com. Join us next time when we speak with William Mann an architect with Witherford Watson Mann Architects in London for a discussion about whether architecture can fix the brittle city. I'm Rebecca Sheberg, and this was Can Architecture Fix
1: This? from White Architected.